0: Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast.
1: Mm -hmm. My boyfriend and I broke up, but he's a good dude and the biggest Jay and Dan fan you'll ever meet. If you come to Japan and see any comments or requests by the user, and she gave the username, he's a big fan and good tour guide. Mm -hmm.
2: So is she pimping out her (laughs) ex-boyfriend to uh, tour you around Japan?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Don't play as much as I used to because my body hurts after I finish golf. Old man, toolsy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Luckily, I sat in my hot tub that still is red. It's like you're sitting in a bowl of Campbell's tomato soup. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that thick, because that would be disgusting, because he'd be, unless you made your Campbell's tomato soup with water, and I hope you don't do that. Mm-hmm. What is he? Yeah, to... He's just like a cup groupie? The Town Cup groupie, I guess you call them <laughs> uh, yeah. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Dance. Dance. Got it right this week. Hey, welcome to the Jay and Dan Podcast. This is our second last episode without Jay on right, and we're back together again come Labor Day. Labor Day the end of the summer The holiday no one looks forward to That's uh, August 19th glad you're with us uh, we got a great show coming up. I'm uh, gonna recap a trip to Bristol, Tennessee where I went down this past weekend and um, went to the Bristol Night Race. great time but uh, we have to start off with a very very big announcement uh, as uh, you if you're a regular listener of the Jan Dan podcast I'm Dan. Uh, Jay's not here. Stoff is in the control room. Are they, is it in the control room? Mission control, yeah. Mission control, okay. Uh, we've been talking about the Jay and Dan podcast, which uh, our Western Swing is this fall, starting September 20th in Victoria. Then we go to Vancouver the next day. Then uh, we're in Calgary on October 4th, and Edmonton uh, October 5th. And then we hit Saskatoon, Winnipeg, and Regina. And our major announcement is our Saskatoon date. November first, is sold out. It's news, you lose. Going to be a great time at the Broadway Theater. That's our sellout siren. November first, Saskatoon, the first one to sell out, and then we hit um, Winnipeg on. Okay, yeah, we're good. I think we're good there. Thanks. <laughs> November second in Winnipeg, then November fifteenth in Regina. That one was just added a few weeks ago. Uh, ticket sales are going great. If you uh, want to know what to expect at the Jan uh, Dan Jan Dan the Jan Dan podcast tour, hey, it's uh, us uh, shooting the. Sh- uh, we go check your town, talk about your town. We bring special guests up on the screen, special guests in person. Um, it's a blast. It's a bunch of like-minded people all hanging out and uh, and having a laugh. You don't get it to. It has have changed a, my life. It might change your life. You don't get to laugh and have a, have a laugh. I can't talk today. I'm sorry. You don't get to have a a laugh a lot. So get a babysitter for the kids. That's the great thing about this tour is. All the dates are on Friday or Saturday. So it's not during the week. You're like, oh, geez, I got to work tomorrow. No. You pedal to the metal. We want you to have the time of your life. Ah, I almost choked uh, to death before I came in here, so sorry. Sometimes that happens to me. I choke on my own phlegm and... My eyes water. Then I walk around the building and everyone's probably like, oh my God, that guy just hit the bong. So I have to say, I just had a choking fit. I'm okay. And they're like, yeah, sure. They still think you hit the bong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to have a roommate who loved the bong. One day I broke It, it has not a good smell. Yeah, bong water, not good. <laughs> no. Especially in a carpeted area. No, it was not carpeted, thank God. And then we got into that. We've discussed this on the podcast before, how much it would take for you to drink bong water.
2: Yeah, I believe it came down to that or the uh, vacuum water. Oh, like, like from,
1: from, a, from a dry vac? Yeah, or yeah a wet dry that's vac? what we
2: were talking about. So. Well, it depends on
1: what you're vacuuming up.
2: Yeah, but still, at least the bong water is just
1: water mainly. Yeah. Those Both. carpets. Yeah. Both are gross. Um, so, before we get to our, our guest, it's going to be Rutledge Wood. He uh, works on the NBC broadcast, the NASCAR broadcast. Ran into him at the track. Um, he's always been a friend of uh, Sports and with Jan Dan. He's never appeared on here. He's got a new show coming out on Netflix. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Bristol. We're going to talk about uh, the other car stuff that he's done. He's a big car guy. Grew up in uh, Alabama. Great name, Rutledge Wood killer name. Almost as good as Jake Cave, who's the current major leaguer. Uh, before we get to that, though, I, I said to staff, I'm like, we have some time because uh, Bobby Roode, the wrestler, cannot join us. Just like last week when he couldn't join us, there was a good reason. He was a part of Monday Night Raw. He found out middle of the afternoon. They're like, yep, you're in. So after that, we uh, were talking the next day. and He's like, OK, I'll let you know. Monday, if I'm in the ring, or if I can do the podcast, and our good friend Jacob Ullman, one of our bosses at Fox Sports, is a big uh, wrestling fan, he just sent me a picture of Bobby Roode in the ring. So, uh, unless he gets on a cell phone, because he's a part of a tag team. Yeah, so whenever he's not in the match,
2: he could come on with us, technically.
1: Technically, yes. That would be another first that we've never had here. Uh, so before we get to uh, Rutledge, I said to staff, "I'm like, I love doing this. I love listening to clips that don't appear very often on the podcast." Um, so, what, how are we going to do this?
2: Well, I got a couple of clips lined up that are, I guess, underused or okay. we haven't heard from a while. And I also have one that uh, kind of disappeared from our database, and I've been meaning to pull it in. And today's the day. All right, so that's let's quite start. The with, tease. Let's start with that one.
0: Ooh, all right. So these are
1: these are drops from the show that we uh, we insert that come from our show or come from other things that make us laugh, and here's some of them.
3: I shot that with that, and I got it!
1: Do you recall what that is? That's uh, Alex Ovechkin. We got a hole-in-one. Very well, very well,
2: and then it's obviously followed up by, by this.
4: I swear to God!
2: <laughs> we use that on the TV show a lot.
1: I swear to God!
2: Yeah, we, we used to use it on a uh, 1.0 version of this podcast, and then it kind of got forgotten about I think once you guys came back I never ended up re-importing it and now anytime someone swears a God
4: I swear God
1: a friend of the podcast Steve Webb former New York Islander he just finished a tour of China with Alex Ovechkin said uh, it was a great time they're uh, they're spreading brand awareness of the NHL Uh, I said so does Ovi get mobbed over there he's like we were in the busiest section of China and not a single person so they still have some work to do over there. A little bit. Yeah, but that's to be expected, I think. Uh, what else we got?
2: Well, uh, this one here would just kind of go with our bong talk from before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you do it like that one.
2: <laughs> not bad, not bad.
1: Very good audio on that.
2: Uh, we got Shinetti's laugh, which is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a car starting
1: up and then dying. <laughs> Let's hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Matthew Shinetti, our CFL sideline superstar. Shooter, we call him.
2: It's an underutilized drop, but we'll, uh, we'll reinsert it back into rotation. Okay, here. good. Anything else? Uh, this, this one I believe we never actually got to, but it was an interesting clip that I pulled from the morning show one time from Carlo. Uh, let's have a listen.
1: If it's soft and warm, get in my mouth. I don't even remember the context. I believe he must be talking about a cookie. I hope so.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God.
1: Uh, Carlo, what a guy. The cup groupie. Yep.
2: Cup groupie.
1: Anything else? This is, not, this is not going as quick as I thought. Here we go. All right. <laughs>
2: What's going to Here's an oldie, but a goodie.
1: Okay. I'll kill your dog.
2: All right. That's from
1: Stranger Danger. Stranger
2: Danger threats.
1: He's I'll kill the, your dog. He's the last one to talk to the kids. Yeah.
2: And then what happens to the dog? I wonder.
1: Do we, the, do we have the Usher cute kid, the guy who sounds just like Jeremy Taggart?
2: Well, let me dig that up a sec. <clears throat>
0: You sure a cute kid?
1: Mm. You sure a cute kid? No, no, no. The come on, or it'll be fun, guys. The guy who sounds like Taggart. Yeah. Now it's all coming back to me. Stranger danger. <laughs> come on, it'll be fun. There we go. Ah, uh, that's maybe the the greatest thing that's ever been done on this podcast the stranger the Danger. stranger in the injury yeah that was version 1.0 that was version 1.0 and then on our um,
2: Ottawa show we also did that uh, on the video screen
1: yeah I think we'll be breaking out some oldies but goodies uh, because we have the capabilities at the live podcast to show videos absolutely
0: hmm
1: okay is that it
2: Well, that's that's what I got right now. Would you uh, like some more? No,
1: no, that's fine. All right. Okay. I figure we, you know,
2: save some for next week.
1: Yeah. So we can give uh, Rutledge a call right now. And then after Rutledge, because Nate Diaz was just in the octagon this past weekend, returned after a couple of years off, multiple years off, uh, and he won. And he has appeared on our show before in one of our most famous interviews in which Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor went at it on our show. And then Nate Diaz, a few weeks later, or a months later, appeared on our show and we thought he was going to kill us because he entered the studio and said, oh, it's you guys. We're like, oh, geez. So we're going to replay both those interviews because uh, why not? Why not, eh? Uh, so Rutledge Wood... Uh, great sideline reporter or s- trackside reporter uh, for NBC. Uh, just a really nice guy, very well respected in the broadcast industry and in the NASCAR community. He loves his vehicles. And uh, the first question I'm going to ask Rutledge Wood is: Is that your real name? Because it is almost too perfect of a handle. <laughs>
5: What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm great. It is, in fact, my real name. Okay. I, I mean, I wish I could tell you that something like more clever. I'm I'm named after John Rutledge that signed the Constitution here in the good old U.S. of Eight. This might not surprise you. I never met him. <laughs> so I don't know if that's 100% true. But that's that's the story that was told. So it's actually my middle name, but I've gone by that my whole life and i actually went by rut it was the very first time on speed channel when they put me on tv and they said right before we went on they're like oh do you want us to put rut or rutledge And i don't know about you i'm not a, i'm not a big hunter i didn't grow up uh shooting things but i learned in my short time there in nascar at that point that uh rut is the season of the arousal of the male deer <laughs> i and didn't I
1: thought, know this
5: you, i didn't either i grew up in alabama i had no idea but uh I knew that people were going to think I was weird, and I was like, I don't know if I need to handle this like one more thing to not like me about. Let's put Rutledge on there. So overnight, at 26, I became Rutledge, and then that's what everybody called me from then on.
1: See, I always just thought a rut was, hey, uh, I'm stuck in a rut. I didn't yes. think it had anything to do with animals being horny. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? NASCAR fans did. That too. <laughs> hey, you. Were, so you were born and raised in Alabama. Yep. So here in Canada, when you're born in Canada, you pretty much are born with hockey skates on. Is it like that for NASCAR in Alabama or college football, or what is it like growing up in Alabama?
5: You know, it's I think college football is probably like, you know, you're in the Bible belt, but next to the Bible, the probably closest religion is college football. And in Alabama, you know, you either pull for Auburn or you pull for Alabama. And we ended up moving to Georgia when I was 15, so I went to the University of Georgia, and I never really had to, to choose one of those. But I still think of all the sporting events. One of the craziest ones, maybe the craziest I ever went to, was the Iron Bowl in Legion Field in Birmingham. And I thought that place was going to fall down. People were... <laughs> it was shaking and just waves of emotion when those two teams come together it's it's like the most glorious redneck party of all time i i think i was 13 when we went maybe 12 i had just never seen anything like that so it was funny growing up there because we lived in a in a cute little community but it wasn't it wasn't super posh and it wasn't super redneck it was somewhere in between and like, I was one of three skateboarders at my school, and I played soccer, not football. So most people just assumed uh, that I was gay because I didn't play football. It's that kind of, a, it's that kind of an upbringing so, there. So,
1: so you different. were born on boiled peanuts, probably, right? Because I always tell the tale. My first time I ever went to Talladega, and we're driving around the golf cart in the infield, and this gentleman who, uh, I don't think he owned a shirt, uh, he was standing next <laughs> to a big barrel. He's like, hey, I want some boiled peanuts. I'm like, says, He says this three times. He said, you want some boiled peanuts? Finally, his buddy's like, he's asking if you want some boiled peanuts. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll have some. So were you born uh, with those uh, in your baby bottle?
5: Would you believe I I was like a little bit of a nervous eater. I didn't eat a lot of weird stuff. I didn't have a boiled peanut until I was at least 25. Oh, okay. What did you think?
1: I thought they were delicious, like just the right amount of spice. I didn't ask what was in the barrel before he boiled them. Of course not.
5: Why would (laughs) I mean? You know, you don't want to look behind the the curtain there at Oz. The funny thing is, I think boiled peanuts are really just a vessel to get salt and other like spices to your body. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a. It's funny how like culturally, I would always see them around, but I was always like. "Eh." I like peanuts. Why would I boil them? This doesn't. None of this seems right. And now our our daughters love them. They can't get enough. We go to a Christmas tree farm just down the road, and every year we start out that we would get like one cup to share. But now each child needs their own cup of boiled peanuts. But the first time you have them, they go through you like a laser beam. You really <laughs> yeah. be
1: So, what is the most southern food that uh, that you can't live without? Like, because we don't Ooh. we don't have really have grits up here.
5: Oh, grits are a big one.
1: Okay. I wish I, I wish I, see, that's what I've,
5: I've yet to really, I've only come to Canada in a half car, half boat on Top Gear when we were shooting that and uh, across Lake Ontario. So I've really yet to, to have time to come and enjoy your customs because I want to find out like, what are your grits? What are your, you know, chicken lizard, uh, gizzards or... Um, I'm trying to think of whatever... The strangest like,
1: thing we have, like, the thing we're most known for is poutine, which is fries right. with uh, cheese curds and gravy on top. Which, to be
5: fair, our country's fat enough, I think eventually <laughs> we would have figured that out. Just, I'm not saying we would have done it in any capacity the way that you guys do, but eventually, like, we can put mayonnaise on anything. Oh, yeah. So, as you should. I'd like to think, yeah, as you should. I'd like to think at some point we would stumble on that. I mean... When you think about Southern traditions, like, do, y'all, do you guys have, like, pecan pie? Is yep. that a thing around? Yeah, of okay. course. Holidays. Okay, good. I would say pecan pie, pumpkin pie, those things were always, like, big in the South. I didn't I didn't know that we have a thing down here called sweet potatoes, but if you add enough sugar, they become candied yams. Mm. It's the same thing that goes into it. There's not a difference, in my knowledge, between a yam and a sweet potato, but if you mix marshmallows in there and sugar... Then you can call it a casserole.
1: Since we're on the uh, subject of food, I, uh, I think it was a Michelin star restaurant that I hit before the race in Bristol on Saturday. Uh, the Cracker Barrel? Oh, yes, I've heard. I've heard. How was it? <laughs> well, just amazing. I've never been to a place where a restaurant where you can buy a rocking chair from, the, cool f- from the front of the restaurant.
5: You can buy, like, a a life-size chess board where you and your friends can play
1: chess. I almost bought it. I almost bought it.
5: It's pretty delightful, isn't it? And then, like, you can buy old-timey sodas and, like, hard candies for a dime. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to beat Cracker Barrel. And then they definitely, like, they've perfected their cornbread and biscuits. You got to give them that. Was there an open fire
1: in the fireplace when you were there? No, too hot outside. It was about 90 degrees. Thank goodness. Thank goodness,
5: because I don't know. You would think that's like a winner-only thing. I think it really depends on how many elderly people go into that particular Cracker Barrel.
1: Yes, there was a lot of uh, suspenders.
5: Oh, yeah, that's a huge suspender crowd. And not like
1: your (laughs) hipster
5: thin suspender. It's like five inches of
1: elastic. And those things are working. They're working hard. Yeah, they are.
5: I saw a guy with suspenders and a belt at the race, and I kind of thought, That seemed like overkill.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's get to the race. So the Bristol night race, this is about the fourth or fifth (laughs) time I've been to Bristol. Uh, They don't sell out anymore, but were you there in the heyday? Because you hear stories about uh, uh, kids being handed down tickets to that race.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. When I started with NASCAR in 2005 with the Speed Channel, um, it was still kind of sellout crowd there. And, And, you know, the kind of height of NASCAR, when they started just building everything, um, Bristol is one of those ones that holds, it holds something like 160,000 or 150,000 people, which to be fair is a crap ton of people. Right.
0: So we
5: had, I think, probably 100,000 people there Saturday night, and it felt awesome. I mean, th- number one, to see your face there was so <laughs> awesome because I just get this like tap and like, hey, I think one of your friends is here, and there you are. I'll, number one, I'm so pumped because. That takes a lot of effort to, to get down there to go see a race. But as you saw, man, there's just nothing like that on the planet to me. That experience is just amazing.
1: Well, I was taking our contest winners to the rooftop bar in Turn 4, where they, they had never been to a NASCAR race. This nice uh, couple, uh, Vin, Vince and uh, Marge, uh, in their 60s, they had a blast. They, I bet they did. Uh, as I tell everyone. Don't judge it until you've been there. One of our writers, uh, Brendo, he went to a NASCAR race, and he's the same. He was, he's like, I'm not going to like it. came back. He tells everyone. He's like, it was unreal.
5: And to be fair, I didn't like hockey at all. Until I went to a game and for me growing up in the South, like there was one ice skating rink in town. I had one friend that played hockey, Richard Davis, and that was it. Like, you know, and keep in mind I was a child of the eighties, so like there was that five minutes where we thought inline hockey was really gonna be a thing. <laughs> yeah. I tried that for thirty seconds and it was like, Yeah, this this isn't for me. But when I went to a game for my first time and I saw an NHL game, I went, Oh my gosh, this is incredible and now I am a hockey fan. So You know, for me, I I definitely think that being there in person for a race, because you can't – there's no way to explain when they drop the green flag and then one lap later when the cars are up to full speed what that feels like in your body and just your soul is going, oh, my gosh, this is so awesome. So for you to bring people there to to get to experience that – and I'm jealous. I didn't get up there to that, that turn four bar. I wanted to go check that out up on the roof um and it looked amazing from where i was but i was running all over the place and to get to i sat in the stands in turn 3 for about 50 or 60 laps saturday night and it was just awesome there's yes. no bad seat you can see everything and if you think about where else in the world can you find like one thing like that that we're literally watching people go around in circles and it is still so much fun and entertaining.
1: You talk about the buildup of speed. That's what makes a Talladega. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that a million times on this podcast. That's my favorite track because it's so big. It's over two miles. So they get to the other side of the track. You see them coming, and they're close to 200 when they come back to you. It's It's nuts. And
5: there's no, you know, Daytona and Talladega are that incredibly unique setup to where, you know, you can watch 40 cars kind of dance and play tango at that speed, and it's hard for people at home to, to really get that sensation of speed, but when they pass you on the front stretch, that's just, it's it's bonkers. And to yeah. see the effects of a little bit of, of wind, and, and that's why we always talk about, you know, if somebody gets caught cheating and whatever, and you go, well, how much of a difference does it make? And you go, uh, fractions of an inch, but at 200 miles an hour, fractions of an inch is what pushes somebody out front or not. So, And Talladega is... Such an amazing event to go to. The race is great, but that's a three-, four-day weekend that any person that loves people, that loves sports, that loves tailgating, you can't lose there. It's just – and you saw it like by yeah. the Boyle Theater guy. Did you see the tire guy who just wears a tire with suspenders on yeah,
1: I did see him, yep. The tire
5: guy <laughs> is awesome. I think his I want to say his name is Corey. He's a uh, firefighter, and it's funny because if, if you're there with a female – and you see this completely ripped dude wearing a Goodyear tire with suspenders, they, of course, finally are like, that's the person I want to get my picture with. <laughs> so and you don't see that anywhere else. No,
1: you don't. Um, you don't see someone wearing just a hockey puck for a, for an outfit.
5: Um, <laughs> and if you do, you don't want to get a picture with them. <laughs> no.
1: Uh, do you get danger pay? Because, again, if you've watched the NBC broadcast, Rutledge, he goes onto the track after these guys have just won the race. I'm like... I hope they see them and don't back over you because you interview them as soon as they get out of the car.
5: The hard part is that I've become friends. As you know, when you cover sport, as long as we have, you become friends with a lot of these people. And so there are certain drivers that will, that will see me, especially like a lot of times we'll ride out in the back of like a Toyota Tundra pickup that's one of the trucks that's from the track. And so we kind of go out, and that's in theory like our little safety cocoon But, like, Brad Keselowski, I think it was two years ago, started doing donuts around the truck. And when he stopped, he was about four inches from the back of the truck. And, you know, like, if he slams into it, it'll make the news. I'm going to look like a a child that's lost and just completely frightened. But this weekend at Bristol, there's not enough room to get a truck out there. So, in theory, we just kind of run out there. Well, Denny Hamlin put on such a ridiculous smoke show that if you watch that tape, I don't get anywhere near that thing until the smoke clears. Because, you know, like, I've got a wife and kids, and that's mm-hmm. definitely not the story that I want to be in. But it's I, what I love about that moment, and I'm sure you do too, is it captures that absolute energy of this person that just put it all on the line and came out on top. And what I couldn't believe, and you probably thought the same thing is, Denny Hamlin just won another race, four races in a year, which is so huge for for him, for any driver. And the first thing he says is, oh, I just feel so bad for Matt Like That was huge to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Denny Hamlin, Um, I don't want to brag here, but uh, in our, uh, so we have a suite where the contest winners and the Pinties people who put on this contest, uh, they yeah. bring everyone up there. So you, 20 bucks a driver, you take them out of a hat. Uh, guess who I had? Danny Hamlin.
5: Denny Hamlin.
1: Oh, couldn't
5: have been luckier.
1: Yep. So uh, yeah, I thank uh, I thank Denny for that. Uh, I also got a picture of a guy on that rooftop bar with. I don't know if you saw him, but he had a big sign on his forehead. That said Kyle Bush is a douchebag. Um, so <laughs> I did see him. He kept trying to get him a camera shot on Friday night. <laughs> so please uh, set the record straight. Is Kyle Bush a
5: douchebag? He is absolutely not. He. You know what he is. He is one of if not the most competitive person i've ever met and you know when people people used to think that his brother was a jerk kurt and kyle turns out grew up in the same household and obviously that competitive nature uh is who they are there are so many guys that that race and gals who that would go oh i can't believe i finished second this is huge for our team this is this is going to change the rest of the year Kyle Bush is absolutely like lives that Ricky Bobby mentality. If you ain't first, you're last. And that's just that's just how he's wired. Um he is an incredibly uh kind person. I've seen him go way out of his way, uh, especially for children and, and people in need. He's done so many things that is not kinda of on the forefront. But you know, if you think about like Dale Earnhardt Senior, they didn't call him the charmer. <laughs> you know, that's like right. Intimidator was the most child-friendly thing they could put on a shirt because, like, the A-hole probably wouldn't have sold a lot of T-shirts. But he was as tough and as mean or anything else that people want to call Kyle Busch. And oddly, over the years, I think a lot of people that used to be Dale Senior fans and loved that edge about him have eventually come over to kind of Kyle's side because they realize he's he's one of, if not maybe, the greatest driver – that that we've seen as far as versatility and things that he can drive. And I'm certainly not taking anything away from someone like Jimmy Johnson, who is absolutely maybe may the best ever. But Kyle has that ability to, any time, any track, and almost any car, just absolutely deliver and put on a show. And so, I, I, to me, I think he's fantastic. But I get why, on a personal level, people can think he's a little rough around the edges. But it's because if you stick a mic in his face and he finishes second, he's going to give you something that's <laughs> that's not what anyone
1: wants to hear. And every sport needs villains. Come on.
5: Totally. Oh, of course they do. And like, you know, for Brad Keselowski to walk out at Bristol a few years ago and say, Hey, I'm Brad Keselowski. Kyle Busch sucks. Like that's one of those times when he got all these fans or, you know, you look at even someone like Joey Logano, a champion now has been kind of vilified because of his run in with Matt Kenseth a few years ago. And, you know, Ryan Newman is has gone kind of from like the rocket man to the guy that won't let anyone around him. And like they interview him and he says, well, What's the deal? And he's like, Well, they pay me to finish the best I can. I'm not gonna go just pull over and let you go. So and we saw that Saturday night. He was one of the problems that, that Matt Benedetto had was uh, was trying to get around him. So you know, I think I think we need those villains. And I think everybody's not gonna be charming. It's definitely weird, as you know, to have athletes that can text each other and and we asked them all the same questions, like, oh, are you going to talk to Pete about what happens there tonight? Back in the day, they would be like, no, I'll see him again in three months when we play him. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll make it to the finals, but these guys have to race every single weekend so eventually they have to see each other.
1: Um, the It was a pretty Start to the weekend with your coworker Dale Earnhardt Jr., his uh, wife, his daughter, a couple of pilots, uh, their dog. Uh, they had a landing, and at the end of the runway, the, their private plane caught on fire. So he didn't work the weekend uh, as a as a friend of yours, as a coworker. How do you handle a situation like that? Do you reach out? Do you give them uh, uh, room to breathe? I gotta be honest, man. It it sucked. It sucked for all of us.
5: It was uh, it was one of those days on Thursday where. My phone, I was driving up there, and my phone just started going off like crazy. And, and it was a bunch of my friends saying, oh, gosh, did you see it? Are they okay if you talk to them? And I had no idea what they were talking about. So as soon as I got to the hotel, I started to to look. And it's one of those things where when you have a friend go through something that big, it's hard to not just think about what that 45 seconds or, or however long it, it was.
1: for Terrifying, yeah.
5: But terrifying. And I just, I found myself, like, I just kept... I kept finding myself crying Thursday thinking about it because, you know, I've got three daughters and and trying to imagine what that situation was like. And I know it was way scarier and way more terrifying than than any of us could ever imagine. But then you're met with this flood of thankfulness that is, oh, my gosh, this ended so much better than that ends for almost anyone else. And um, we had that kind of feeling where I, I thought it was really great that, um we all kind of just went to battle and said what can we do what do we need to do do we need to do we need to go here do, does someone else need to go pick him up um Steve Luthardt ended up going to the hospital with him and um that was a really uh, a big thing for for Dale and for him and um it's funny i think that Dale would have tried to stay but i think NBC was very clear and said no um, you need to go home, and I think Dale said, "Okay, I will," because he's that kind of guy that he doesn't want to let anybody down ever. You know, and I'm sure there was a part of him that, even though he just went through that, thought, "Well, yeah, but it's Bristol, and I love this place, and it's it's historic." And so he was watching all weekend long, but he also knew that, like, no, this is a moment I need to take to, to just calm down and try to, you know, to just be here in this moment. And uh, and those pilots are incredibly talented, and I'm just so glad that that everyone was safe. And, and you saw every single channel that that any of us got while we were down there in Bristol. It seemed like they were just covering that. Uh, the yeah, whole it was on time. a loop. So, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you, you you just think, man, we are so fortunate that, that that happened the way it did, because tragedy is no stranger to this sport or to uh, to private travel or anything else. So we're just, you know, you try to do that mix of, be there, try to support any way you can, and then just just let them have the space that they need. And, and you know, if you're into praying, you send up some prayers.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, see him back in the booth soon. On a happier note, I wanted to talk to you because you have a new show coming out. You're you're a hardworking man, so you're you're doing NASCAR every single weekend in the the second half of the season for NBC. And now you have a, a show coming out on Netflix, and you're involved with our good buddy Mike Hill in this.
5: Yes, I'm so excited. I am, and it's, it's a new show called Hyperdrive. It starts Wednesday, August 21st, and the best way to describe it is it's like my old show Top Gear meets American Ninja Warrior, and I mean that, in it's 30 people from all over the world in their own cars on these racetracks, and just like on Ninja Warrior where every time a competitor goes out there, the track is, the course has changed, well, for these drivers, it's the same way, so they never see the same track twice, and there's different obstacles and different routes and all sorts of things, and it's supposed to be kind of like mixing a little bit of rally and drag race and autocross and a little bit of stunt work and just insanity. We shot the whole thing at night in Rochester, New York, and uh, I got to stay next to Mike Hill and Michael Bisbing. Oh, and Michael Liz Bisping. At- Michael yeah, Bisping
1: is the most terrifying yet nicest human on Earth.
5: I found that thing, and I don't know if you ever do it, when you work with people, uh, and I know you did a lot of stuff in uh, in California, too, with a lot of these UFC guys, they're charming and sweet guys, but after a while, you get so comfortable that you kind of want to mess with them a little bit, <laughs> and I would, I would find myself like occasionally just looking at him and be like, I mean, I know the cameras aren't, but we both know I could take you, right? <laughs> and he'd just get this smile and be like, oh, uh, uh, it wouldn't, I, he's a, I wouldn't even break a switch. <laughs> like, oh come on man. Like make me let me feel good. I did the same thing I used to I did this Toyota Pro Celebrity race with Kane Velasquez, and I don't know why I would talk trash to Kane every chance I got and it was a dumb move but sometimes just it just feels good to feel alive like just feed so, the animals a little
1: bit bisping he was uh, getting into it with one of our other ufc commentators i won't mention who uh, i guess i can probably say it dominic cruz and mm-hmm. um it, this was like in between takes and he kept saying under his breath keep it up little man keep it up like you're like he's gonna, he's gonna murder this guy
5: I may have heard that uh, more than once, and I didn't mean to. Just sometimes you find those little things, and he's just such a funny guy, man. And and to see someone like that, you know, he obviously understands the competition side of life and, and certainly does my kill as well. And Lindsey Zarniak was down in the pits, and she really had that chance to, to be with these drivers, spotters, and crew chiefs and, and see the emotion, you know. It's thirty people from all over the world, so imagine you know the husband and wife that put their cars in a shipping container two months before in Germany, and then they end up in Rochester, New York, and now they've got to go head to head with all of these other crazy people who are doing the same thing. I mean the pressure uh was just insane there was a There was a young lady who came from South Africa, and Charlize Theron is one of the executive producers, and she Charlize went and visited her. And I can't imagine what it would be like to to grow up on the wrong side of South Africa and, and to have a father that sold his tow truck to make sure that she could be there and, and make this trip with her car. And then Charlize Theron shows up to like cheer her on in South Africa and say, "No, you're going to go up there. You're going to do great." It's just, it's unbelievable. And, and Netflix was so cool to give us that that backdrop to go do it. So I hope you'll check it out. There's ten shows. Uh, and we end up with, with a hell of a winner. So it's it's going to be crazy.
1: Did you meet Charlize Theron? You know, I didn't. Oh, I was really... really that's a letdown.
5: You know, and I was like, oh, I wonder if she's going to like me. Like, are we going to be buddies? <laughs> and then she did, she did that movie uh, that just came out with uh, Seth Rogen. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, if she can fake like Seth Rogen <laughs> yes. in a movie, she could totally. Hey, but Seth I, Ro- Hey,
1: in Seth Rogen's defense, he's Canadian, so he's likable. Of, co- oh, he's, of
5: course, he's can- he's <laughs> likable because he's Canadian. I mean, all you know. Also, some of us that are not as maybe as thin and felt as you are like oh, big dudes. We still rule, okay, great, like it's just it's a nice <laughs> moment, I really do um
1: i I'm not going to say you undersold that show, but uh, on the day that I think you and Mike Hill both uh tweeted out a promo for the show, it's insane because uh, there's cars on like teeter totters yes there's and a, there's, and there's, at there's, times it looks like a video game it completely does that's a, that, you know what that's a better way to describe it it's
5: It's like driving in a real life. Video game and between the like water cannons that spray ten thousand gallons of water and you're trying to dodge it so it doesn't smash through your windshield and um, that that leveller is what you saw that gigantic right yeah. tire it's it's six stories up oh, on the end God. like when you drive straight up it, it I I don't even know how you can do that and they wouldn't let us try any of it because insurance was so scared but I think next season I will bring a car that I can do it but. It was just absolutely bonkers because, and that's why I said it's such a big deal that someone put their own car, their pride and joy and their money on the line to go do this and and shake it out and see who is the best. And like, one of my favorite things was there were all these people and and we did a bunch of dumb stuff on on Top Gear US, so I've also spent plenty of time in a parking lot being a moron in my life. But like, have you ever done a Rockford turn?
1: No, no clue. What is that?
5: Okay, so you remember there was a show called The Rockford Files? Of course, yep. Like one of his big, like, signature moves was to he would just haul ass in reverse and then spin the car around, throw it and drive and keep going. Well, we had something like that, except there are these insane light tubes that surround the whole thing, and so you're trying to do this move without hitting any of this stuff, without getting penalties, and still trying to keep going. So there were so many things like that that people had never seen before and ever tried and it, it was just awesome to see it all come together
1: okay um well, wait oh there that's the rockford files theme
5: there it is i mean come on
1: stuff put it in my ear and i'm like have we been uh invaded by someone i didn't know what was going on there uh
5: um, is there a brown Camaro yeah <laughs>
1: So uh, it starts streaming on Wednesday. So, can we binge yeah. it? Are they going to release all episodes?
5: All episodes. You can binge away, my friend. And I hope you will. Because hopefully we'll get to do a bunch more of these in the future. Because already the number one question that I get is how do I apply? I'm like, Just, you got to watch. If, you, if enough people watch, then you'll get a chance to apply.
1: What's it called again? Teeter totter wars? It's called Hyperdrive. Hyperdrive. <laughs> I was kidding. I
5: just wanted to see, get you. awards. I think they, someone had already had the website. You know, they couldn't, <laughs> couldn't trademark that, but I think that's a great possible name.
1: I just wanted to get you one last plug in there. Rutledge, uh, we could talk forever because I know your love of cars and how you work on them all the time. I, but uh, we've run out of time here. we got to, we got to wrap things up here.
5: Thanks for having me, brother. I sure appreciate it. It was great to see you at Bristol. All
1: right, great seeing you. And um, Hey, let's meet up at Talladega next.
5: Come on. I'll, I'll bring my overalls. You bring the boiled peanut. <laughs>
1: okay. Thanks, buddy. See you, brother. Bye-bye. That's uh, Rutledge Wood. Um, you can see his new show, Hyperdrive, on Netflix starting uh, this Wednesday. You can also see him on the NBC uh, NASCAR broadcast. He's trackside. Uh, just a, a pleasant fellow. You know who he reminds me a lot of that, after that interview? Who's that? Jonathan Torrance. They're very similar. Hmm. you know, in a way. The way they, uh, they speak and such. No, you don't get that? Not as much as John O. No. But. Well, I'm not saying they're the same person.
2: Oh, okay. I thought that's what you were implying. Whew. No.
1: Uh, okay. So, um, talked earlier in the show about Nate Diaz, how he uh, returned to the Octagon this past weekend. And we just wanted to dip into the archives and play Jay and I's interview with Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Um, and this thing kind of blew up a little because uh, we kept poking the bear. Let's uh, let's give it a listen. And Connor and Nate now join us. Connor got physical there at the end of your news conference. What happened? Uh,
3: the man's afraid to look me dead in the eye, so he put a frame out in front of him, and I quickly snatched it and yeah, broke his right. wrist. Yeah,
4: right. You got a square <laughs> little and cheesy. Little shot on my little, hand, little because i to put stage. you to sleep with your gear his
3: on. little. <laughs> <his> <laughs> Because the the, I'm a don, and that's yeah, what dons deal. Do. I put out with that thing. Your whole suit, my socks oh, were I mean, wood more than your whole suit you yeah. had on you, little bum. You broke. I get buy and you I get buy and sell you a hundred times over.
6: Nate, your thoughts on Connor taking a swing at you? He's scared. Did he? Did you hurt? Did you get hurt? Was your hand hurt or anything like
3: that? The medics, no. the medics are in with him now. His wrist will yeah. never be the same. Like his bum knee. Like his bum right leg. What a teensy little one. I'm going to take that right leg chancy home. B- b-
1: Tell us how you trained for this fight, Nate. Because you didn't get much of a... Train to kill. Always. And Connor, did you change your, your approach once it got named <clears throat> Nate for your fight?
3: The only approach I changed is I dug the grave a little bit wider, a little bit longer for Nate's skinny, fat, long body. That's the only difference I made.
6: <laughs> Nate, Connor Actually. says this has been the easiest uh, training week of his career. Do you think he's overlooking you?
4: Look at the lineups. He has fought little nobodies. Look at my last 20 fights. Better step it up for this one
3: connor your response to that his last fight was a decision i bounce heads off the canvas every time against a normal sized human being
6: Co- connor you said uh at the press conference last week that you actually liked nick and nate has your opinion changed about that now after this week
3: eh, no there's no emotions in it i have no problem with them i'm gonna slap the head off him it's business as usual i'll do- p- I'll bury him, and and you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll let his gazelle team. You gotta recognize because know know he knows what's at.
4: real. He knows this is the yeah. real. See
3: deal you know you know you know it's the real. real, real, real you you know. It's the real. You know it's the real. You know it's the real. And you'll know Saturday night. Yeah right. You'll know Saturday night. You'll know.
1: Nate Connor has gone on record by saying that he's going to win by knocking you out. What's your approach? How do you think this fight's going to go down?
4: Yeah, we're going to see what happens to him Saturday. We'll see. Better hope. He better hope. Hope for what? Better hope he gets that knockout. Otherwise, it's going to be a f-ed up night for him.
3: And, Connor, if you don't get the knockout, is it a f***ed up night for you? <laughs> if he's still conscious when he hits the mat, I will crush his hips and pass his guard and mount him and you strangle him. You got out by two I'll nobody. strangle him.
4: How are you? The like best a boa if you ain't never heard that wrapped around his long frame.
3: A boa constrictor no wrapping around a gazelle.
4: You were submitted by Lames. What was that two years ago? Uh, yeah, that was not even that long ago. That was Like a week ago.
6: <laughs> Nate, um, we saw you flip the crowd off uh, after the press conference. What are you hearing from the hecklers out there?
4: Oh, they had a couple. I was just letting them know I see them, but it's all good. Are you intimidated at
6: all? There's going to be a massive contingent of Irish fans, just like uh, there have been for Conor's last few fights. Are you intimidated at all by that?
4: No, never. I got Irish fans hit me up, too. I got them out there.
1: Conor, you mentioned you buried three bodies in Vegas. Can you elaborate on that?
3: <clears throat> yeah, one was an American named Dustin Poirier. The other was another American named Chad Mendes. And then finally was a pound-for-pound pound number one. At the time, Jose Aldo, a Brazilian. I buried them in the dirt. They were scared, little women. And now I'm going to bury this, this chump on Saturday scared. night.
1: Nate, that, that must, uh, it must get into your head when someone says they're going to bury you in Vegas.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep.
6: Connor, how close are you to 170 right now?
3: Sitting pretty. I'm sitting pretty up here.
6: Yeah, much to cut, do you think? Full are you, belly. Are you feeling Are you feeling good going I'm
3: into on the weight.
1: weekend? Yeah, I'm on weight. I am on weight. Nate, uh, what brother? What uh, brotherly advice is your brother giving you for this fight? Any at all?
3: His brother's in the club. <laughs> the day clubs.
6: <laughs> how, close guys, how close are you guys? How close are you guys to each other right now? Like, could you reach out and swing at each other right now, Connor?
4: No, he's hiding somewhere. I don't know where the <laughs> uh, You still
3: you gotta know. walk, we'll walls, see. We'll see. <laughs> see. Come and see what happens. Yeah, right I told you I'll put a right. hole in your face. Yeah, right. You'll be
4: breathing we'll out of your
1: chest of your life. Yeah, right. Parting shots for one another. Connor, let's start with you. The talking
3: is dumb. We're ready to fight now. This is just this is just bullshit all this just going back and forth we're ready to fight now it's primed it's sold let's do it
6: Nate you uh Connor loves to make predictions about his fights Nate do you have a prediction for
4: Saturday no I don't he don't believe his prediction
3: I believe I'm gonna bounce you your head off the con- nope. canvas
4: you don't believe it <clears throat> those you beat they believed it you don't even believe that you hope. Yeah, we'll see. You hope. We'll see. You better hope. Can't wait for
3: Saturday, guys. Best of luck to both of you. You don't believe that. I believe. If believe you can't do nothing but survive, that's what yeah, you believe. Right. You're just praying you can survive. Look at my life. I can. Up. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in your words. Mm. You're just hoping to survive in there. You're over here That's acting. it. If you get Stage out a second, dad, if you get out a first round, you're, a you're happy. Rich you're happy. Kid. You're, you're gonna a stage you're rich. Gonna, you're kid. gonna look for the kids. Rich
4: people shouldn't fight.
3: Rich kids shouldn't <clears throat> fight ever. Real people fight. It's Real filth. fighters fight. You not rich f- kids. I'll gut you like a fish, you f- tick. You were born rich. <laughs> you f- You don't know me. You don't know where the f- guy came from. You little twerp. I'll ride into Stockton and f- take everyone out. Full of snitches in Stockton. hmm Never never heard of Stockton in my life. Yeah. Canaries in, in Stockton, yeah? Sing like
4: little gazelle. canaries Why out I here. You people gazelles too. You got the weakest, <clears throat> lamest, little
3: lamest lineup of training partners i ever even heard of. I'm just looking at your little frame. Yeah. And it just reminds me of an injured gazelle. Yeah. Strapped up. People don't know off. what that means. It's Take your top off. No one knows what that means, Take your top off. Take your top off. You little fat skinny
4: <laughs> Yeah, right, no one knows what gazelle is anyway. It's America get it right
1: (laughs) thanks fellas okay so that was uh nate and connor that's when connor was becoming a, a massive name um and then this is nate diaz when he returned to our studio so again that interview with connor and nate was not in person so they were via satellite in different floors of a hotel while we were in a studio in la uh, so he returned to our studio for the first time and saw us in person, and this is what happened.
6: Oh, hey, we're hey, back! Hey. That was amazing. Uh, Nate, you just told us that you were mad at us uh, when we did that interview with you and Connor. Uh,
4: I was like, "Look at
6: you're looking at the and interview Connor, right
1: sh- now." Now, join us. Connor got physical there at the end of your news conference. What happened?
4: See, I could hear these. I couldn't, I couldn't see them. Yeah. And now I just walked in here and I was like, these are the guys that I was going to... Yeah. Why were you well, mad at us? Are why were you mad at Connor? Well, I wouldn't really hit you, but like I felt like hitting whoever was talking to me at the moment.
6: Oh, was it just the moment or was it the questions we were asking?
4: I thought one of you guys was Chell Sonnen. It sounded <laughs> like one of you guys was Chell oh, we weren't. We I don't weren't. know how I thought that was me. like, is this Chell? Why are you guys... <laughs> why are you <laughs> me, Chill? Because I know Chell. And I like, why are you messing with me? We but, let, but it was actually you when I saw the thing later. I was like, oh, that wasn't Jason.
1: Yeah, We're it, cool now, though, right? Everything's Good? all right? <sighs> yeah, we're cool.
4: Yeah, yeah okay. I, needed I don't you. like that thing, though. You know how they had us, like, it looks like we're side by side. We're yeah. not nowhere near each other, and I couldn't see any anybody. So I'm like, who the hell is laughing at me <laughs> in my earphone, in my little earpiece?
6: Yeah. But we, we were laughing at you. We were laughing. The whole situation. Well, yeah, it's life. hilarious if you're not fighting in a cage.
0: Yeah.
6: (laughs) No, and we won't be anytime soon. And here's the
1: thing. So you like to curse a lot, but we found out the people that curse a lot- I don't like to
4: curse a lot. I don't like to curse But
1: in the lead up you did, it's uh, more honest (laughs) and trustworthy people curse more. So there you you (laughs) go.
4: That's crazy. That was the last time though.
1: My mom might might be watching. Do you like the lead up to the fight? Do you like having to do all that media?
4: No, I hate that. I know the circumstances I'm to be under. You know, I try to be cool for for the price here, but the situation, the circumstances is just like you're flashing, you're cussing and stuff like that. But I'm I gotta get in the cage and I gotta fight the guy. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to act right and <clears throat> talk like a civilized human being when I'm in a very uncivilized situation. Was there
6: a genuine animosity? Did you genuinely hate Conor going into that?
4: No, I never hated him. I never hate anybody. I fight. It's all good, Connor. You know. It's After all good. the
1: fight, have you guys spoken? Have you sent texts? do no, there ain't him?
4: nothing to say. It's all good, though. You know, it's all good with everybody. If we ain't fighting and we're not, we're not lined up to 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 meet up and fight, then it's all good with everybody. But if we're gonna fight, stay your ass over there, and I'll stay <laughs> over here. You know. <laughs> so that's how it feel, and. Uh, Everybody else is like, that's sportsman like, but this is not a sport. No. You know what I'm saying? You could be like, We're on all fuck sports and everything, but this is you know, this is a fight and uh <clears throat> and that's genuine. I'm the only one acting like that that I mean there's a the few, but I'm the only one acting like we're in a real in a real fight because you know why? Because we are in a real fight and that's a real attitude and it's the way I really feel about it. And uh sometimes I'm the makes me the bad guy because of that, you know
1: not wrong being the villain. Yeah,
4: well, it's worked out pretty You good. want people to think you're, you're nicer than you look on TV, you know what I'm saying?
6: <laughs> After you won the fight, mm. your post-fight interview with Jay Glazer and our guys was my favorite post-fight interview of all time. And you talked about the fact that you were on a beach when you got the call. Mm. Um, thinking back to that now, how were you feeling in that moment? Like you had just gone, you'd only gone a couple of rounds, but were you just... Are you feeling beat up? Like when you're in a post fight situation like that, are you like, I just want to get out of here?
4: Uh no, I was more content with that, that moment than the rest of the week. Building up to that, because the rest of the week is just like, build up, build up, build up. You just want it all to end. You're like, Can I just fight already? I don't I'm over this. I understand though, I could deal with it better than most people, you know, because 'cause I've been in this for so long. I've been fighting since I was eighteen and I'm uh thirty now. I have more fights than anyone in the UFC. I have 25 fights. So So do you
6: feel like it took way too long for you to get your due?
4: No, it's like, you know, sometimes people pick and choose, but I never picked and choose. I like just fight everybody all the time. (laughs) I've been fighting top 10, top five guys since like my third, fourth fight in the UFC. So I got 23 fights with top 10 contenders. And uh, that's what I was trying to say. People were like, there's no way Nate beats Connor. I'm like, why you're riding a bandwagon because he's like, this guy's fought. If he fought, went through a like, quarter of the people I went through, he had already been done, weeded out already. You know. The night before the McGregor I'm gonna fight, I whooped these guys' asses when I found out it was you guys on the little video. I really? Like, you You're guys starting to really
0: scare me. Well, keep God. bringing that up. <laughs> no.
4: Hey, they were laughing at me on the thing. I was like, dude, these guys are not funny. It was like I was being, was, I I
1: was being, <laughs> toy,
4: I was being <laughs> toyed with. They're like, what are you? I, I, what did I no, say? I said, Nate, I said here's I, the thing. let me tell you what I said. I was like, I was like. He better knock me out, otherwise, he's gonna have some serious problems. And you guys start laughing, and you're like, Is he? Is he gonna have problems? I seen him, and then he started talking. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even care about this guy anymore. Who the (laughs) f sends to get in this? (laughs) Chael oh. is that you? <laughs> I don't want you to tell, so I thought, It was. It's that, it was, chill. On, the it was mi- sure. on the mic, I thought, I was like, why are you doing this? You used to be a you used to be a, a retired fighter, and now you're instigating <laughs> fights. I was heated. But it. Nate, here's so the thing. Sad. But it's all good now. All right? I was happy that, I was like, man, thank God, Chad wasn't instigating fights between me and this guy. But it was you, it was you. Yeah, yeah on the, uh, it was. But we didn't,
0: <laughs> we, we weren't trying to make fun of you.
1: We aren't good broadcasters, so we're like little kids. I guess, so you, guys guys make good th- you guys
4: make good TV also. You guys make good TV too then, you know so, what I'm so, so we're good, good TV. we're good? Yeah, we're, we're good? cool, but okay. I'm not fighting right now. If I hear you call me the next time, I'll be like, quit calling here. <laughs> you know what I'm if he calls me the next time so as of Deal. right now though we're all good All right,
6: uh, no good. Problem. Yeah. thank you uh, really yeah. appreciate that can I, can I ask you I got a, a question I'm just laughing that's amazing <laughs> um, I, got a, I got two envelopes yeah. here I got a question from a Twitter follower and I got a question from our audio guy Bobby Diaz who I don't think is related to your name but I'm not 100% sure do you want the question from Bobby or do you want the question from Twitter
4: Bobby Yeah
6: Yeah that's a Good great choice. choice Great choice Bobby's question is this Would you Oh this is a dumb question Would you rather fight One horse sized duck Or a hundred Duck sized horses I'm so sorry Nate I'm so sorry That's, that's garbage
4: that was the dumbest thing i ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've never met Bobby. Yeah. So it he's makes, right over Oh, there. is that Bobby? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Bobby, you fool, man. And hey, He's right there <laughs> behind the camera. Yeah,
6: he's just hanging out. <laughs>
4: you guys set Bobby up. Yeah, we
6: really did. We did. We really did. Nate, ah, this has been great. This has been fun. Will, will you come back and hang out with us again? Yeah.
1: To I have something? Sure. sure. Take whatever you want. Whatever you want. We don't, don't own take. anything. A good guy. You know how we loosened them up? Tequila. Because we used to have booze on that set. And if a guest was nervous, we'd ask every single guest, do you want a shot? 70% of them would say yes. Really? Yep. So uh, he wanted two shots. And then when we finished, we did two more. Ah, nice. It was a loose show. Those were different times. Different place. Yeah. And uh, Nate, this week... Uh, maybe you can set this one up here, stuff. Uh, in uh, the lead up to his fight, I, b- I believe someone asked him if fatherhood had changed him.
2: Yeah, so uh, the uh, porter asking a question is actually in this clip, and they ask if the birth of his daughter has changed his approach to fighting.
4: Congratulations on your win uh, down front. Thank uh, you very much. No problem. So,
5: um, a lot is changing in your, in your personal life since uh, we last saw you fight, uh, namely, uh, your daughter and has being a father now changed the way you approach the
4: fight or just the way you think about the entire game? I've been a father for years. Father and
1: all kinds of you little <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's
2: affectionate.
1: He's an interesting guy. Uh, we, we played the clip of him coming out to the open workout, smoking a big CBD joint, and... Um, had to explain to a lot of people the difference between CBD and THC, so uh, I can do it quickly here. CBD is the new, uh, the new thing. It's, it's good for pain relief, and you smoke it, or you can take it uh, in pill form, and it does not make you high. It's
2: weed without the fun.
1: Yes, but THC, that's where he said, okay, I'm going to smoke the THC after this. Uh, Nate Diaz is a big proponent of uh, marijuana. So... Uh, He's an interesting cat. Well, I think we're done here. Uh, as I mentioned, next week uh, will be our final podcast without Jay, right? Yeah.
2: Correct. Yep.
1: And then we're reunited. We are not off until Christmas time. And then the podcaster oh, it's got a flyby. Yep.
0: Of you those cities.
1: Cell-out. So, stop. You're coming on the tour every stop of those cities. Any of it you've not been to and you're excited about seeing?
2: Outside of Vancouver, I don't think I've been to any of
1: them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so Your socks be, are going to be blown off.
2: This will be quite fun.
1: You might move to one of these cities when we're done. I might have to. <laughs> Wait, what? why?
2: I don't know, in case I don't make my flight for the next stop. What okay, else?
1: but we're on a team system here. We're going to make sure no one misses flights. Well, so
2: there's going to be a headcount every time?
1: That's right. All right, I like That's that. That's why I... Uh, I made it back from Bristol because we had to make a three-hour drive from uh, Bristol to Charlotte, and my phone was ringing at 6.45, and we were supposed to be in the lobby at 7, and it rang a bunch. I'm like, hello? like, okay, let's get going. I'm like, no, we said 7. They said 6.45. I'm like, anyway. I knew they weren't leaving without me. So it's always good. Have the buddy system. Don't leave anyone behind. That's a good call. I I almost got left behind on a school trip in Europe.
2: As our group went on, like their public system and bus system in Rome, and I fell asleep in one of the chairs. And when I woke up, uh, our tour leader was quietly ushering everyone else off the bus. So it was a close one.
1: A student left behind in Rome—that those teachers, they would have been fired. Ah, That was a different time.
2: (laughs) Back then, you used to lose a kid or two.
1: Yeah, you probably did. Uh, Okay, um, we're going to talk to you next week. Who's appearing next week? I don't know. Maybe Bobby Roode, if he's not in the ring. Maybe Dontrell Willis, who's now ignoring every message I sent him. (laughs) Oh, well. In my next life, I will not be a guest booker. Because uh, I'm batting about uh, 200 in booking of guests. Well, you
2: came out out of the gate strong, though. That first episode, you had three, three guests back to back to back. You set the bar too high. Huh. It was unrealistic then.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now here we are. Aim low. That's my slogan. <laughs> See you next week.
0: They're going home. Jay and Dan podcast.